Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. everybody and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host Jason Silverman and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I'm always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests and I gotta tell you, today's show is an absolute grand slam. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that and I'm excited to pick his brain for your benefit today. And as most of you know, I'm really picking his brain for my benefit as well. Now, for the folks who I work with any of my coaching programs or through Powerful Words Character Development or All-Star Cheer Sites or the Jason's Army Mastermind Group, you know how much I focus on the importance of successful entrepreneurship, right? Well, the show is going to help us to do just that. So today, it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information about what I consider to be one of those keystones between mediocrity and actually achieving your success. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. Listen, folks, we only get one ride on this merry-go-round. Let's make sure it's one hell of a ride, shall we? Alrighty, it is now that time I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your child, anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our special guest expert today. Patrick J. McGinnis is a venture capitalist and private equity investor who's the author of the international bestseller, The 10% Entrepreneur, Live Your Startup Dream Without Quitting Your Day Job, which was published in 2016 by Penguin Portfolio. As a 10% or part-time entrepreneur, he's built a diverse and global portfolio of investments outside of his day job, including leading technology companies such as Ipsy and BlueSmart, as well as the London stage production of The Last King of Scotland. Patrick is credited by Boston Magazine with coining the term FOMO, or fear of missing out, a term made popular by millennials and digital junkies that was added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2013. A graduate of Harvard Business School and Georgetown University, Patrick lives in New York City. You can contact him over at Twitter at PJM, I'm sorry, at PJMCGINNIS. Patrick, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Thanks for having me. Well, the pleasure is mine. So listen, before we officially get started, for those who haven't had the opportunity uh, of meeting you or hearing you speak or, or reading The 10% Entrepreneur yet, do me a favor. Take a second to share your story with my listeners. What are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Patrick McGinnis? Oh, big question. But let me, let, me, let me focus on the parts that would probably be more interesting for all the listeners. Otherwise, it could be turned into a psychoanalysis session. <laughs> um, what I think what I'm really focused on and what I want to share with everybody today is that um, it's important for all of us, no matter where we are in our careers, to think like owners. And so that experience and that mindset is something that I developed after working for many years in large companies and then seeing those companies 
over and over ago again fail or bad things happen and I always felt like I was sort of along for the ride and didn't have any control over what was going on. And so what I decided to do was try to, outside of my day job, start different businesses where I could feel like an owner, where I felt like I had control and a say in what was happening, and where I could build something that would be my own no matter where I went with my day job. So that's really what I'm focused on doing. My book, The 10% Entrepreneur, is really for all those people out there who are maybe want to be entrepreneurs but aren't quite sure how to start or can't quit their day job. I'm trying to get everybody to think about building things they can own outside of their day job without having to throw away all the stability of their day job to do so. I love that because I know that so many many of my listeners probably just perked their ears up and said, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. Either they started their gym or their school or their studio while they were working for somebody else in some other capacity, whether it be in an office building, in a cubicle, at somebody else's school, everybody did that and then went off on their own, or many people have. So I'm excited to hear, you know, that there's actually a system for this. So, you know, so many great success stories are of entrepreneurs who who do leave everything, you know, and basically burn the boats and just just go to it. How did you have the idea for the 10% entrepreneur? So after my career on Wall Street was so affected by the financial crisis, I was working at a division of AIG, and I had nothing to do with any of the reasons why AIG blew up. My, my, my division had nothing to do with that, but it was a wake-up call to me because I'd always put a lot of faith in corporate America, and I thought I would do that forever. And after that happened, I thought to myself, okay, what am I going to do next? And I didn't want to jump into full-time entrepreneurship. First, I didn't have an idea that I felt passionate about or felt that I really wanted to pursue full-time. Second is I just didn't see myself as somebody who would necessarily be a full-time entrepreneur. And so what I decided to do was to find ways to engage in entrepreneurial activities on the side, investing in uh, starting and being an advisor to startups, meaning exchanging my time in exchange for ownership in different businesses. And it wasn't just startups per se. I've also done real estate investing. I invested in a play, as you mentioned in the intro. But the idea was really to build a portfolio of opportunities outside of my day job where I could be an owner in those things and those and, and to engage with projects that, that leverage what I was good at, that were uh, tied to the things that I enjoyed doing, and that would teach me new things and allow me to build my network in a meaningful way. And so while I started this, doing it as a, as a full-time sort of worker, as it were, you can also do this if you are already an entrepreneur. So there are different, there are five types of 10% entrepreneurship, and one of those types is called the 110% entrepreneur. Because if you own your own business, one thing you do know is that it is a lot of hard work and there are lots of risks and you can fail. And so the idea is that you can also diversify even if you're an entrepreneur, by engaging in other things and have a portfolio of other opportunities and ventures you're involved with on the side to make sure that you haven't just put all of your eggs in one basket. It makes so much sense. It really does. What would you say are the practical benefits of being, you know, a 10% entrepreneur over, you know, those who actually just take the plunge? You know, does it depend specifically on your circumstances or, you know, if you were advising somebody on this, you know, would it be the go-to way for anybody ready to make that transition? So there are a couple of reasons why I advise people to consider going part-time rather than going full-time. The first is the fact that when you go full-time, as many of you know who've done this, your pay is going to be a lot lower than it was. So you're really making a lifestyle choice. You're going to radically change the way you're living, at least for some period of time. And for lots of people, that's just not doable or attractive. 
Number two, um, you get a lot of the upside that you you would like to have as an entrepreneur without having to sort of give up on your on your on your data. So you get kind of get the best of both worlds there. The next is the fact that a lot of people. Um, you know, re- realize that being a full-time entrepreneur is really hard lifestyle. So yes, you're not getting paid as much, but also you work tremendous hours. It's very stressful. The rates of divorce and depression are higher among entrepreneurs. It's not a happy thing to talk about, but it's true. Then there's two more things. Uh, the, the first of which is the fact that when you uh, are a part-time entrepreneur, you can try lots of ideas. And it may be that you're meant to be a full-time entrepreneur someday, but you haven't found the right sort of opportunity yet. And the, the reality is 80% of entrepreneurs find the thing they're going to do in a previous job. So you just may not have gotten to that point in your life where you know what it is you really want to jump into. And the final one is all about mitigating the risk of being a full-time entrepreneur. Because there are stats out of the University of Wisconsin's great study about part-time entrepreneurs that show that people who start a business part-time and work out the kinks before they jump in full-time are 50% more successful than people who jump in full-time because if you do something on the side before going in full-time you have worked out a lot of the issues you have taken a lot of the risk out of the model before you jump in and the thing is once you jump in you have a limited amount of time to make things work right you either are living off savings or you've raised some capital but you can't just sort of experiment forever you have to actually get to a point where the business starts to scale if you can Part, put a good part of that uh, into your life while you're still working and fund it that way, you really increase your chances for uh, a success. I love that answer, actually. That, uh, that makes a whole lot of sense as well. So, you know, we started with um, the fact that you yourself are a 10% entrepreneur. So would you mind, you know, share some of the projects that you're involved in. Like, I'd love, to, I'd love for people to see, you know, what the diversity, it's not just doing 10 of the same thing. Absolutely. And, and I'll give you some ideas of people that are, in, that are in the book as well, because everybody's very different and your skills will be different than mine and mine will be different than yours. So my, my story is just one person's story. But in the book, I, I actually interviewed dozens of people all over the world working in tons of different industries. So what was really critical to me is people... I didn't want people to feel like, well, I don't have a Harvard MBA. I can never do this because the reality is all of us can do this. Um, we have people, I have examples in the book of a person who is um, a car dealer in Long Island. I have a person uh, who works in fashion. I have a person who was making uh, reality TV shows. I have uh, in my blog on my website, I have a story about a teacher who started a basketball school on the side. I have a, a story about a, an executive assistant at a, at a company who started a candle company on the side. So there's lots of different things you can do. My personal engagement has really been around the things that I've done in the past, right? Because you want to engage with opportunities that most clearly map to your skills and your passions. And so in the past, I've done a lot of work internationally. Uh, my whole career has been in working with fast-growing companies and startups all over the world. And so I've worked with startups in my, in my 10% that are in places like Argentina and Colombia. Um, I invested in a, in a luggage company that came out of Argentina in a um, in the largest platform for voiceover talent artists out of Colombia. And then um, I've also invested in a company called Ipsy, which is started by a good friend of mine, which is in the cosmetic space. And I've also done this play in, in London, which came through my book agent. And I've done a bunch of real estate, which was in conjunction with my um, my best friend, who is a very talented real estate investor. So he had these opportunities, and I was seeing opportunities, and we partnered together, and he taught me the business um, as we went along. That's fabulous. So do you find that 
Well, and I mean, I, here's a question that I got to believe is, is reverberating around in somebody's head. Um, when do you find the time to do it all? So it actually doesn't take as much time as you would think. So there are, as I mentioned, there's five types of 10% entrepreneurs. The first two are the angel and the advisor. Those are people who either invest their capital or their time in exchange for ownership in a company. And that actually can be as little as an hour a month. So, you know, you'll find an opportunity and you've got to figure out if it makes sense for you. And that's why it's important to do things that are within your sort of sphere of knowledge. But once you actually make the investment, you don't have to spend a ton of time managing it because you've got partners to do that for you. Same with the advisor. I spend usually about an hour a month with the companies I work with. With a founder where you're starting and running at that requires more time. And so if you are working full-time, it's really helpful to have a business partner who's either also doing it part-time or maybe could do it full-time. Um, those are the kinds of things that um, that really make a difference. But when you think about making time, it's always easy to say you don't have time to do something. The reality is if you want to do this, you have to sit down, and I have exercises in the book that show this, but you have to sit down and say, what are my priorities? What can I cut out? What is important to me? And then how can I find projects that are really closely aligned with the rest of my life? So, you know, if you are working with people that are your friends or that your family members and you're doing something that you're passionate about, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like another kind of great thing that you're doing in your life. That's See, this is, this is exciting because I feel like you're now giving somebody the opportunity to to branch out and not, not be stuck worried that, oh, well, gosh, I'm doing this thing and it isn't working and... and if, if this, this, this goes bump, I'm, I'm basically moving back into my parents' basement. So that's, uh, that sounds great. Would you mind sharing some of the strategies you have? You know, like what does it take to become this 10% entrepreneur? So the real, uh, the real key to doing this, like anything in life is getting organized. Um, and what I did in, 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 in the book and, and, and what really worked for me was, you know, I, I spent three years trying to figure this out. And so when I did that, I realized that I had actually gone through a pretty structured set of things. There was, there was like a, a process, right? And the first part of the process was figuring out my resources. What time, money did I have to invest? What were my skills? What did I have for intellectual capital to invest? And then to actually have a process of identifying opportunities, figuring out if they make sense, uh, determining whether they were a good fit for me and if I, if I sort of could, could, um, could be a good person to be involved with them. And the third was to really figure out how to best work with the people that I knew in my network to find opportunities and to make them more successful. And so, um, I, I, I have a whole bunch of, of exercises that help you to do this. And you can go to my website, uh, patrickmcginnis.com slash buildyour10 and actually download a free ebook that takes you through them. But without going through them, you know, one by one, what I would say is you need to make an upfront investment of time and energy to really think carefully about what you should be doing, how much time you can allocate, if you can allocate capital or not. And maybe the answer is no today, but it could be yes in the future. And then what are the things that get you excited? Where do you want to spend your time? Because the worst thing you could do is to take in your 10% um, all that energy and time and spend it on things you don't even enjoy doing. And so that's a really important thing. You know, it's the, your expertise in things that will make you successful, but it's your passion that will make you uh, sort of want to do that work maybe when you'd rather be running around outside or, uh, I mean, I mean it's not like people are children here, but you get my point. Like you'd rather be doing something uh, leisure activity based um, this will keep you engaged and excited because people who are 10% entrepreneurs, and I see this all the time, 
when you talk to them and they talk about their 10%, their eyes light up. They're passionate about it, and it is not work to them. It is really a big part of what makes their day special. I love that. How, how would you know, you know if entrepreneurialism is a good idea for you or not? Well, I believe all of us can be entrepreneurs. I, I do think that full-time entrepreneurship versus part-time is a bigger distinction because there are lots of people out there who um, just wouldn't enjoy the pressures of being a full-time entrepreneur, but they can still get some of the benefits of that in their part-time uh, doing their 10%. And what I think it's about is it's not so much about like whether you're going to be a great entrepreneur or not. I think it's more about recognizing that thinking like an entrepreneur is really essential no matter sort of what you do for a living. There's a great quote I read recently from Peter Drucker, and I'm going to get it wrong, but um, to paraphrase, uh, the, he defines entrepreneur as somebody who, who knows how to make opportunity out of change. And the reality is we live in times of immense change, Technology has changed our world in less than 20 years. Think about what the Internet has done. It's made all kinds of things go away. It's made all kinds of things appear. And we need to learn how to deal with that kind of change and thrive within that change. And the best way to do that is by learning to think like an entrepreneur. And the best way to do that in a very low-risk way is by engaging in 10% entrepreneurship. Hmm. So do you feel like... Yeah, you know, this concept work for um, that that this concept is going to work for every kind of business venture and for people in any kind of job. Or, or do you feel like you know? I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of trying to look for like what the right avatar is. Um, yeah. You know, for a specific business, like who who should be doing what? Yeah. Okay. Let me let me tell you what doesn't work in my opinion, and maybe I'll be proven wrong someday. But I think things that are difficult to win at are number one. If your job has a give a job contract that forbids you for doing something, then uh, you should not be doing it, right? Because you cannot, you must respect your day job. Your day job allows you to do these things. That's one. Two is if you're looking to do something that requires a tremendous amount of capital or time and you don't have one of those things, it's a bad fit for you. But outside of that, I think you can really engage in different ways. Like, so let me give you a couple examples. Have a, a great story about a woman named Polly Potwa who was working in a company where she designed kind of like housewares, like bedspreads and tablecloths, things like that. And they would sell them at TJ Maxx and, and places like that. And she had a small child, and she's from India originally, and her mom gave her some India, sort of Indian baby clothes. And everybody in the neighborhood thought they were really kind of cute. So she said, well, that's kind of interesting. Why don't I design some for him? She did that. She spent $5,000 putting together an initial sort of uh, collection and then going to some trade shows. She sold out at that first trade show, and that began her business. Her business is now a business that employs six people. It took her five years to get to the point where she left and did it full time. But that's a business that anybody could do. Yes, there is some design skill in there, but the reality is th these are pretty simple projects, right? Um, she has a great design aesthetic, but she's brought it in. On the other side, uh, one of the businesses that is very, very friendly and, and has a lot of part-time entrepreneurship is the brewery business. You can start a microbrewery out of your basement, and there's this great story that I used um, in the book about there's a company called Monday Night Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, which everybody I asked from Atlanta seems to know who they are now, and these guys were three buddies who worked in different corporate jobs, and they would get together uh, every Friday morning for Bible study at 6 a.m. 
and they became sort of a social group, and they started brewing beer for fun on Monday nights. And they started inviting people, and pretty soon they had 50, 60, 70 people coming on Monday nights to drink their beer. One of the guys ended up leaving and doing this full-time. The other two stayed employed. Then eventually two moved on to full-time. They raised several million dollars, held both a huge brewery, and are doing millions in sales. And they had no real expertise in the beer industry, but one of the guys knew something about marketing. One of the guys knew something about finance, and they actually went and learned from a master brewer how to do this. And so there's a part of this that, you know, if you have a passion, you've got to have some basic strengths that you put into this, but what you don't know already, you can learn on the job. Hmm. That's, that, that's, that's so interesting. I mean, and, and to see that kind of success, um, how long did it take them before they started going full-time? Uh, the first partner, I believe it was between the two and three year mark. And then the other partner a year later. And the third partner really likes his day job is not interested in going full-time and has stayed at his day job and works on it part-time. But, you know, the, the, one, of the, one of the great things about this is, you know, I don't want to just emphasize the successes because people do fail. As I sort of mentioned from the get-go, entrepreneurship is risky and you can fail. The great thing about doing it in your, in your 10% is if you fail, you still have everything else in your life to look forward to. And you've actually learned something that you can sort of plug into your future endeavors to be more successful. So I don't, see, I don't really view these 10% failures as failures. I view them more as experiments to learn from and then to, to leverage that knowledge into your next projects. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me this. For anybody toying with the idea of becoming a 10% entrepreneur, Let's talk practical for a second. Um, what's the first step somebody would take? So the first thing you need to do, and and you can actually take a quiz on my website. Um, it's right up there. You can see it about what kind of 10% entrepreneur you should be. The first thing you need to do is really have a serious think about what are your resources in terms of time, money, and your skills. Because that's going to get you started. If you have no money to invest, which is okay, then you will not be an angel investor. That Those two are incompatible. If you have zero time that you can invest, then you're not going to be an advisor. If you have none of none, no time and no money, I think you're reading the wrong book. But <laughs> if you can sit down and say, well, listen, I can make a certain amount of time available, maybe three or four hours a month, and I can maybe put a little bit of capital together, that's how you get started. And in the book, I explain to you how you, how you can actually get started with very little of both. It, actually, the barriers to entry are much lower than you may think. You can invest as little as a couple thousand dollars into something. It's not that you have to be a millionaire to get involved with something. And I think that is really a fundamental point that I want to drive home here. It's not just about ownership. It's about the fact that Sometimes we think that entrepreneurship is just about billionaires in Silicon Valley, and there are certainly plenty of that. But I'm trying to democratize entrepreneurship. This is something that all of us can do, all of us should be doing, because we live in a stable, unstable, and volatile world. And we can engage with this as we want, customizing it to our lives. Hmm. That, uh, you know, that point of everything I just wrote down, um, the fact that the barrier to entry is so low, uh, I don't know how many people realize that they could buy into something again with time or with a little bit of money versus the, I don't have an extra $300,000 to kick in today. That's right. That's right. That's really helpful. That's, that, that's super helpful. I mean, do you feel like there, there are things out there where somebody can get themselves started for, you know, four or five grand, 10 grand and, you know, end their time and expertise? 
Most definitely. If you want to engage in other people's businesses, you can either start with zero. Like I invested my time in a company. My shares are worth $250,000. I spent one hour a month on it. I mean, that's a great outcome for me, but those kinds of things happen all the time. And I've had investments in companies that have done well that are far less than $10,000, you know, in the $5,000 range. I've done much more than that, but it just depends on the particular opportunity. And the other thing is, say you want to start something and run it yourself. You can get a business up and running online. You can build a website. Put yourself uh, sort of into business by creating all of the legal structures you need. Get your Facebook ad account up and running. Get your Twitter account, your Instagram, all those things for hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, not tens of thousands of dollars. And doing that 10 years ago would have cost you tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so that's the big change that makes all of this possible. The fact that there are all these tools out there that let any of us start a business for basically nothing. Hmm. Folks, you heard it here. This is a uh... This, this is this is the real deal here. All right. At what point do you abandon an entrepreneurial idea if it's not working? And everyone's got to have some sort of sunset clause built in somewhere, right? Like, is there a timeline that's going to be different from a full-time entrepreneur than for a 10% entrepreneur? Well, one of the great things about this is you can keep going at something for as long as you want because you're not sort of requiring it to pay your bills. But I do think, I get this question pretty frequently, and, and people oftentimes are looking for a number of months or a number of weeks or something. And I think that's tough because every business is really different, and so it's hard to generalize. But what I would say is when it stops being fun, A, when it stops feeling like you're making any progress at all, B, and when you don't want to work on it anymore, see, those are the signs that it's time to move on to something else because this is meant to be additive to your life. It's meant to make your life richer and brighter and happier and more fulfilling. And if it's not doing that, um, then, you know, your time can be invested into other things that would, would achieve similar goals. That's fair. That's very fair. All right, Patrick, tell me how my listeners can find out more about you and how you go about helping entrepreneurs to succeed and actually become entrepreneurs. Okay, so you can find me at patrickmcginnis.com. That's M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S.com. There you can take a quiz, as I mentioned, to figure out what kind of 10% entrepreneur you should be. You can download a free chapter of my book. You can link to Amazon and pick up the book, or you can wander into your Barnes & Noble uh, or any other friendly bookstore and pick up a copy. Um, you can also find on my YouTube channel, these are all linked to my website, and Twitter and Instagram, all kinds of tips and videos uh, explaining to you kind of how to get started on this and if you sign up at my site I also have webinars so you can actually come and interact with me and if you have a question just find me at Twitter at pjmcginnis.com tweet me your question and I will answer it yeah, it doesn't get any better than that folks remember www.patrickmcginnis.com if you're obviously if you're listening to this straight off of the show notes you can click right through um Folks, when you have the opportunity to stand on somebody else's shoulders who's been there and done that um, for the price of a book, go do that. Go grab that book right now um, and start implementing. And then head on over to his website and learn more because clearly Patrick is just an absolute wealth of knowledge. So you got to grab that. You got to get going. So Patrick, one, one question I always like to end my podcast with is... If you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or more importantly, help them to live a better, more balanced life, what would that piece of advice be? I would say, 
I'm always surprised at how really talented people do a business that has very little relation to what they're good at and what they enjoy doing. So I would say before you go out and build a business, think carefully about how it corresponds to your skills and what you like doing. Because I, the worst place you can be, this is like the nightmare, is to be building a business that's rapidly growing but that you don't actually enjoy running. A success you hate, absolutely. Yes. Oh. Great, great advice. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, I know how busy your schedule is. It means the world to me that you share some of your time and, and some of your wisdom with us. These have been fabulous tips. Thank you so much for your time, everybody. Um, good luck with your 10%. I look forward to hearing more. Fabulous. Folks, that's all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more info about private coaching or see if you'd benefit from one of my mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.